Friends, welcome from downtown Fayetteville, North Carolina, and Stories from the Center. It's David Blackman here today with Beth Kieber. We're excited about this opportunity to share some more stories from the Center and learn about um, what we are trying to do with this podcast. Friends, we believe a podcast can facilitate um, helpful and holy conversation concerning justice, freedom, and peace. These are real concerns for the Fayetteville community and perhaps for our nation right now, especially as our city continues to navigate our history our present realities and our future possibilities. Participants have been invited to reflect on what justice means on the connection freedom has within our community as we are uniquely positioned to our neighbors at Fort Bragg and the desire to live together in peace. And through seeking uh, the stories of our people, we will find and celebrate the places where justice, freedom and peace intersect and inspire listeners to practice the same. So the, the leading question we have friends is when telling your story, how have justice, freedom, and peace impacted your life? So today we, we, we welcome retired Judge Beth Kiever to our program. Beth's hometown is in Elkin, North Carolina in Yadkin, Yadkin County. She retired in 2014 and after serving 33 years in the judicial system, and she continues to serve in this retirement capacity within, throughout the state and grateful for that and her continued service. Friends, she's also led the Education Committee for the Association of District Court Judges and served as a lead faculty member and serving in, in several training programs. I believe she's been a mentor to many. And there's a, a great article that we'll include a link to um, written by one of her colleagues about her impacts upon this state and the judicial system. During her time in the court system, Beth created Cumberland County's first family court and drug court. She joined the Cumberland County District Attorney's Office in 1975, was appointed to the bench um, in 1982, becoming Cumberland County's first female judge by then Governor Jim Hunt, and she served there until her retirement. She was named the Chief District Court Judge in 94 and served in this capacity up until her retirement. Friends, Beth is a recipient of the North Carolina Bar Bar's Liberty Bell Award for 2016, which is presented by the Young Lawyers Division of the Bar to individuals who have strengthened the American system of freedom under law. She's also received the Fayetteville National Organization for Women's Susan B. Anthony Award due to her championing justice in the North Carolina court system, especially when it came to family court and domestic violence. Friends, Beth is a strong advocate for children, having served on the Child Advocacy Center's Board of Directors for numerous years. She is the president of the Chancel Choir at Hay Street United Methodist Church, also served as the church council chair there with us. And she's an incredible ambassador for the city of Fayetteville and this great state of North Carolina. Friends, it's, it's with great pleasure that I invite and welcome my friend and um, colleague and fellow believer, Beth Kieber to our conversation today. Beth, welcome and thank you for just your willingness to participate today. Thank you, David, for asking me. Um, this is a great idea to bring to everyone some, some stories about Fayetteville uh, and about the way in which we can bring peace, justice, and freedom to everyone who is in the United States, in Fayetteville, in North Carolina. We've got to make sure that everyone believes that that can be a part of their life. Boy, amen. Well said. Well said, Beth. Well, let's jump into it then, Beth, with that thought. And I'd love to start out around this idea of justice and and, and maybe to hear you talk to us about, about what justice means, a story of justice, and, and certainly given your 33-year career in the judicial system of North Carolina and how justice has been a big part of, of your life. You know, it's, it's, justice is a very interesting term. And we in the 
judicial system have begun to think about it in different ways. Uh, what we know is people want justice. They have different definitions of justice. You know, what does it mean to me? What, what do I get out of justice? But what we know is that regardless of what is the result of a case that you bring into the system, what you're looking for is knowing that you have been treated fairly, that you have been listened to. And what we know is regardless of whether you win or lose, and we hate those terms in the judicial system, winning and losing, because in so many situations, there is not a winner, there is not a loser. There is fairness that results in a resolution of that situation. Um, I often tell the story about um, when I was a young assistant district attorney, I uh, thought I knew a lot and found out fairly quickly that I didn't, that um, I had lived what really was a sheltered life. You know, I have, I grew up in a home that was uh we went to church every Sunday. We were at church at other times. My grandfather was a minister. Um, my family was close. Uh, we took care of each other. We supported each other. We pushed each other to, to know. I always knew that I was going to college. I always knew all of those things. I had some friends who didn't have quite the same background, but I had never seen what some people have to live through until I came to the district attorney's office and began to work uh, in the court system and began to see that not everybody had a supported supportive system. Not everybody knew that they had a meal the next day. Not everybody knew they had a place to live. Not everybody knew that they were safe in the place where they did live. And and what we realized over time was that we weren't doing much to improve people's life. Um, you come in, you bring a case into court. Um, I remember the parishes. Uh, every Monday, the parishes, at least once, maybe twice a month, were in our court. One or the other one had charged, was charged with really domestic violence. And when I went into the courtroom and you had a courtroom full of people trying to get justice, trying to get relief, uh, you knew you couldn't help everyone. You couldn't hear every case from all those people. Uh, I, I tell new judges the, the, the greatest term in the world is drop charges mm. in a situation like that. Wow. which doesn't help anybody. Sure. It just means that next month they're going to be back again. Um, and we didn't have any resource to give these folks. How do you stop violence if you can't help people, if you can't give them a resource, if you can't give them an option? And what happened was folks who had been in the system a lot longer than me started getting together and talking about what can we do to change what we're seeing? What can we do to recognize that 
not everybody treats their spouse or their partner or their children the way they should be treated. We had folks from Fort Bragg, we had folks from Department of Social Services, we had clergy members uh, all getting together and talking about this. And so that's when we brought a domestic violence program to Cumberland County um, and created a requirement that folks, you can't drop charges anymore. You, we've got to give you a way, you've got to go through this program, you've got to do this. And we did it before they were convicted. Uh, I remember Judge Dupree, who was a retired highway patrol officer who <clears throat> was elected a judge, even though he was not an attorney back in the day when you didn't have to be an attorney to be a judge. And we were sending them through this program. And he says, well, how do I know this works? You know, what, how do I know that we're doing the right thing? And the answer was, let's bring them back before us and let's ask them, did this make a difference in your life? And I'll never forget the, the first couple of guys that came in because it usually was a woman who charged a guy because that still is the highest percentage of cases involved uh, violence by a husband or a, par a male partner against a female partner. And I can remember these, and Judge Dupree says, well, did it help? What, you know, or did it work? And I can remember this guy saying, Judge, you teach us in these classes to walk away if we think things are getting out of control. Just walk away. Sure. But what happens is you're not, you're just sending us, you're sending us, you're not teaching our partner that what's going on. And what happens is I try to walk away and I hear, don't you turn your back on me. Sure. Don't you walk away from me. Right, right. Don't you do this. And so we learned at that point in time. So, so we've got to give education to everybody. Right. We've got to give resources to both sides. We've got to do that. That's the way you bring justice yeah. to folks is that you look at every individual situation and you provide to them help and resources to ensure that what they find is the way forward for them as individuals, as opposed to a cookie cutter type thing and just saying, well, don't do it again. That never works sure. if you don't have help. If when you have a child, when you have a teenager that comes in that is not doing well in school. So often what our response to that is when they when you act up in school, you're kicked out of school. Well, that doesn't help. Right, right. And so we created all kinds of things. We have a, a, a justice school partnership now where we ensure that the school tries to deal with folks before they bring them to the court system. Let's, let's do in-school suspension. Let's do what we can to keep the, these children in school because when they lose that school, we are ensuring what we often call the school to prison pipeline. Sure. Because when you get them at that, knowing that they, their brain is not right yet, it has not fully formed. They don't understand yet. They're very quick to respond and act because their brain doesn't understand you have to stop sometimes before sure. you act. Sure. 
Beth, I want to I want to go back to your your story about. I love how you you shared that you gave um, offenders a chance to tell the story um, right there in the, in the in the courtroom. And I, I love this idea. And please help me if I get this right. But it, it sounds like you and your colleagues wanted to try to um, interrupt that cycle of dysfunction, the cookie cutter approach to you know when this was happening. And you really you really found a way to to affect change to to influence the system. And, and to stop um, the cycle from just repeating itself. And I love that, that you, um, this, uh, this judge that referred to the former highway patrol gentleman that became the judge, you know, how does this work? Well, you gave a chance for folks to tell stories and, and by those stories, then you're able to tweak your system and, and then bring in both parties to help resolve and to mediate and, um, and to come up with a solution that was, that was gonna help them long-term. Right. Um, and, and hopefully, you know, indeed help that relationship um, to have uh, more fruit to come within that relationship that was not going to be uh, um, facing more, more crisis and trauma in the midst of that domestic abuse. Um, what a great, great way to help us see, um, you know, justice at work within that, that judicial system. But, but I hope maybe for our listeners to hear that there's um there's really heart and mind mixed in there in making that and in, in coming up with that solution. So kudos to you and your colleagues for, for creating that here in the county. Yeah, it's just it, it's absolutely true that that we have to stop sometimes. We get too often you get into that system of move it, move it, move it. Right. Next case, next case, next case. Um, but for every case, there is a story. Right. And for every case, there is a way forward if you stop and listen and try to make sure that that way forward is one that that is helpful to everybody. Sure. Beth, I think that's um, that's just gold for all of us to hear that no matter what career, vocation, work that we're in, you know, every person before us has a story. And, and I think that's really valuable for us as we um, as we are desperately trying to do that through this podcast to help celebrate the stories. And I think that's great wisdom for all of us to hear this morning. So I thank you, Beth, for that. And, and thanks for a great um, definition through that story of what justice looks like and, and how that's a part of our, um, fortunately, a part of our judicial system here in, in, in the state. Um, um, Beth, let's, um, let's move if we can, as we, as we consider this day, um, we are recording this on January 20th of 2021. And um, it's inauguration day, a couple hours away from you and I sitting here as we um, record this podcast. I'd love to try to look at the um, idea of freedom. Um, and, and as we, um, and as you have spent a good part of your adult life here in, in Fayetteville and our connections to Fort Bragg, and, you know, we, um, Myron Pitts in our previous episode reminded us of being an all-American city. And I would just love to hear you maybe share a, a word or two about about freedom and what that means to you and perhaps a story of freedom um, as it relates to our desire to talk more about that today. You know, it, it's really a fascinating city to live in because of our connection to Fort Bragg. Uh, it makes a, this is a different city from any other city uh, in the world, really. Um, because we have that connection, we have those folks that we know, every one of us know an individual who has fought for freedom for us. Amen. 
who has thought about us, who has wanted us to be able to celebrate to having that freedom that so many people in the world don't have. And I think about my friend, uh, Sergeant Roger Red, who was retired from the military and who came to work for the Sheriff's Department, was a bailiff in the courtroom. So we all knew Roger, you know, we loved Roger. Uh, and Roger believed strongly that the military made, I'm going to say men, it made strong women as well. But for him, it made a difference in the lives of men. It gave them freedom. It gave them understanding. It gave them an opportunity out of poverty, out of fear. It gave them freedom to, to live a productive life. And what Roger said to Judge Lynn Johnson, who was the senior residence Superior court judge at that time, he went to Judge Johnson and he said, Judge, we've got to do something. I am tired of sitting here in the courtroom and seeing young man after young man after young man, and many of them men of color, coming in front of you, having not had a chance, and going down that line to prison. I'm tired of not being able to do anything. I want you to give me the opportunity to work with some of these young men and try to make a difference in their lives. And Judge Johnson said, you know, Roger, if you think you can do something, I agree with you. I mean, I'm tired of sending young men to prison. I'm tired of seeing these young men that have no opportunity. And so Roger created a program, um, it's somewhat of a boot camp, we'll call it a boot camp. Um, but he had those young men out at, as we say, oh, dark 30 in the morning. Yeah. Doing calisthenics, doing things. But it really was the interaction that Roger had with those individuals. I remember the young man who rode his bicycle every morning from Hope Mills to be there at five o'clock in the morning when Roger had those young men out there. And just like every drill sergeant you've seen on TV, he got in their face. He, he made a difference. But what he did was create a situation where they could do better. He created a situation where I can remember those young, and we all went to graduation because those young men would come in in their white shirts and their ties and looked fantastic. They could speak about what a difference Roger had made in their lives. And that's what happens when one individual takes the opportunity to make a difference in the lives of other individuals and give them the freedom to move away from that gang activity, to move away from that uh, inability to get a good job because they don't know how to do it, to move away from that not finishing your education because there, you don't see any hope 
And that's what lack of freedom is. It's a lack of hope. But freedom gives you that hope, that opportunity, that belief in yourself to move forward. Absolutely, Beth. I love that story of Roger. And, and we've seen that play out in so many places that if, if, if there's an investment of time and energy by one person and they pour themselves into another person or persons, um, there seems to be such great returns. And, and indeed, in that, in that situation, it sounds like these young men, somebody believed in them. Um, That's right. Roger, Roger was able to instill, um, I guess, in a sense, he awakened their hope in themselves um, that they could, um, you know, grab hold of those freedoms that they had and maybe not realize that until Roger was willing to get in their face. And, to remind that's right. them and sometimes that's what you have to do. You have to get in their face and, and make a difference to them to where they recognize that they have it within themselves. Right. Right. What, what a great, um, what a great use of his experiences with the military. I, I'm sure there that's was, right. I'm sure there's, there were guys getting in his face, you know? So I, I just think that's a great use of his wisdom and his own um, experiences. And, and, and again, I think it's really, it's just wonderful to hear back of, of the interaction between a judge and a bailiff and the relationships that you all form in that daily place of the courts. And, and here's a judge saying to the bailiff, well, hey, if you got something, let's go, let's, let's try this, let's implement this. And what a, what a remarkable story of, of faith, um, of the freedom the judge gave the bailiff to say, let's go and try this out. And, and then look what happens, you know, lives are changed and, and, and young men all of a sudden have more confidence and, and can live into those freedoms that they, 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 were, they didn't have perhaps before. Um, what a great story. And he gave them the opportunity and, and he worked with them and he, he had several that he was able to get a waiver from the military and get them into the military and they would come back to see him. Um, and we lost a great one when he died. And it's, it's, personality makes a big difference because we could never replicate that program without Roger. Sure. But for 10 years, he made a significant difference right. in the lives of hundreds, hundreds of young men. Sure. You know, Beth, my hope is that as folks listen um, to these podcasts that, and these stories that are, are, are really remarkable stories, that there's somebody out there that may be listening today and realize, you know what, the Lord's placed a young person in my life. And I've been wondering and praying and, and worried about that young person. This might be just the step to nudge them into investing more energies to help that young person out. Um, there may be somebody out there that's been inspired to create such a program. And with this story of Roger, perhaps that can become a reality in the midst of one of our listeners or more today that I've always believed in this, um, this at least in the church, the church family and the life of the church. We have intergenerational folks and, and I'm always trying to encourage young people, listen, you've got a wealth of wisdom and experiences all around you. Um, just reach out and ask. And I can't imagine any, any seasoned citizen ever saying no to a youngster that says, you know, I would really appreciate if you'd be willing to spend some time and be my mentor. I mean, what person's going to walk away from that? You know, we're, we're all humbled by those kinds of invitations. But I think there's great um, wisdom to be shared both ways. Um, from an, a, a seasoned citizen to a younger person. And by golly, younger people are teaching me every day new things and helping me to live into these days and times. So 
Okay. It makes a difference to that older person too. <clears throat> My father spent 26 months as a prisoner of war in Germany during World War II. He could never talk about it. Mm. I, I, he would tell me jokes about it. He would make fun of it. But the thing that made a difference to him was the Vietnam War and the POWs that came back after the Vietnam War. And when he began to interact with them and joined a POW group, then he was finally able to talk about what had happened to him in Germany. And so for many of the older folks to have that opportunity to interact with the young person, sure. freeze them from that fear that, that those things that have held them back and have made it impossible for them to relate what has occurred to them. It, it creates that freedom sure. to speak the truth about what your life has been like. And, and then there's healing for both, we pray. You know, that's right. Both the that's World right. War II back and, and the Vietnam vet, absolutely. You know, that, that's, um, that's perhaps why those, um, those groups, those organizations are so vital um, for our vets today, that they can continue those conversations and those, those mutual understandings because they shared similar, similar experiences. Yeah. And that's the whole prep prospect behind our Veterans Court is to have mentors, veterans to come in and work with other veterans sure. who un have an understanding of what that person has been through that has caused them to go down the path of, of what we often call self-medication, the use of substances to try to heal themselves, which we know never really works. Sure, sure. But the acknowledgement of that pain and that anguish and that hurt um, by another soul sitting before you, that can be a big part of healing. That's right. So thanks, thanks be to God for that. Um, Beth, um, powerful stories, powerful stories. Beth, let's um, talk about our final theme as we um, consider this um, word peace. Um, it's, it's not, I mean, it's not, it's not hidden that we are a, a, a community, a city that's struggling around um, divisions. Um, we've got lots of racial disharmony, um, lots of political um, disunity. Um, we are a nation that's um, certainly in the midst of an unusual time, you know, with the pandemic happening. Um, the political process again, and, and with all of these places of division, um, there's not a lot of harmony. There's not a lot of, um, of, of ways for us to celebrate who we are as a people. However, I do believe in my heart of hearts, and people have labeled me an idealist, and that's one I'll take to my grave. I'll be happy to take that, that label. But I do believe that there are places of um, peace, and I'd love to hear Maybe your thoughts about peace or a story about peace as it relates to these themes of justice, freedom, and peace. You know, peace is that belief that in your heart that you are in harmony with, for many of us, in harmony with God, but also in harmony with your fellow man, that you are in a position to give solace to others. And in that situation, I really think about those folks um, who developed the Child Advocacy Center because we have children who are, are hurting 
and who have been hurt by those that they that should be protecting them. Um, and, and that we have to enable those children to be able to tell their story about what happened. I remember my friend, Rosemary Zimmerman, who was the head of child protective services at that time at, at the Department of Social Services. And she was one of the ones that said, there's gotta be a better way of doing what we are doing with these kids. And I know she's talked to me about how we didn't really understand what we were doing back then. I'd go, she'd say, I'd go to a, a home to interview a child because a teacher had reported that the child was saying they had been abused in some way. And she said, and I would take the child and I'd go in their room and I'd sit down and I'd ask them questions and they wouldn't be forthcoming. They couldn't talk about it. And it was, she said, I was only years later as I, as I thought about all of this that I realized that I was taking that child into the place where they had been abused and asking to them to tell me about that abuse. That, that I wasn't understanding that, that to, for them to have peace and, under, and, and to know that they were safe, I had to take them away from that situation. Um, and that was the whole concept behind the Child Advocacy Center. Let's find a better way. Let's find a peaceful way. Let's find a way to ensure that these children know that they are safe when they tell their stories. Safety is something that many of us don't understand that is not present in other people's lives. Beth, it's back to what you said. I think when you talked about growing up, um, and, and, and forgive me, these were not your words, but I sensed them because I, I think of my own, um, my own hometown and growing up, I was sheltered and I was, I was protected, if you will. And, and I think when you talk about you know, coming to, to Cumberland County and you're working the DA's office, it really awakened you, opened your eyes to the realities and the harsh realities for many families that you were working with. And, and I, I, I do, I concur with you that, you know, safety, we, we perhaps take that for granted, many of us. And yet in the eyes of a child who's been abused, um, they may not know what safety even looks like. And so for, for the good people and the good work of the Child Advocacy Center, both here in Fayetteville and wherever those kind of centers exist in the country, um, I, would, I would sense that they really, they spend a lot of energy and resources on creating those safe spaces for those kids to tell those stories. And, and that's, that's, the, that's perhaps most difficult for a child to have to tell that story. Um, but, but what a wonderful blessing um, that we have in this city of folks willing to absorb and hear and then do something with those stories. Um, we, we certainly want, we want what's best for our children in all places, I hope and pray that's our case for all of us, no matter um, which station in life we find ourselves in. But I, I think that you make a great point about um, connecting safety with peace um, through the good work that's happening at the center. Um, Beth, when, when, we, when we consider our own past, you know, when we consider the experiences that we have and how they, they shape and form us, you, you commented about your family and, and the support structure and them nudging you that you always knew you were going to college and, and always had that kind of... Um, 
um, that privilege. I, I hope that's okay to call it that. You know, I, I also have learned in my own experiences as a pastor and in in a ministry with communities that not all children have that. You know, not all children have the blessing of a family that that is nurturing or or neighbors or friends in that community that that are upholding them. And and I hope that this is a, a shout out to folks to really consider, you know, how can you be more active in your communities? And maybe that is volunteering at a child advocacy center. Maybe that is taking up some time to go to a school and, and listen to a kid read. Um, because I think in those kind of situations, again, back to the, the story of Roger, we're, we're giving children a chance to tell a story. And, and to be an adult willing to listen and hear that story, I, I do believe that that creates a sense of peace for that child, um, that somebody believes in me, somebody cares about me, somebody loves me, um, and how, how we all need to perhaps do better with that that effort in our own community. Please, Beth, say more. Well, we, we know there, there are all kinds of programs within Cumberland County that you can join to, to make a difference in a child's life. But it, you don't have to just join a program to do that. Uh, there's grandchildren, there's your own children, there's your neighbor's children, there's the child down the street that maybe you have some worry about. Um, there, there, there's always a way. Uh, there's children in your church. There are children at the school. As you say, just volunteer at the school. Uh, give a little help. Um, one person can make the difference in another person's life. And all it takes is that one-on-one -on -one effort Certainly. to make that difference and to bring some peace yeah. and understanding uh, to that child. And they are our future. Right. They right. are our future. And we need to ensure that they have the best future that they possibly can have. Yeah, they, they are our future. And that's why the present matters so much for our young people. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Beth, uh, remarkable stories today. You just really... Um, just helped open my eyes to new understandings of our judicial system. Um, the joy of hearing about how those stories are impacting change in the lives of individuals and families. I want to give you a chance, Beth, to maybe just share a closing thought for our, our listeners today and anything that regards our themes or anything else you just want to wish up, lift up um, for folks to listen. You know, we take our freedoms for granted. Um, a few years ago, I was uh, doing a, a speech during Law Day <clears throat> at which I had taken the opportunity and I said to the, the students that were in front of me, um, I wanna read this constitution to you so that you understand it. If freedom of religion, freedom of, of the press, freedom of association, freedom of speech, on and on, all those freedoms that we know. I said, do you know what constitution I'm reading? They said, the United States. I said, no, this is the constitution of the Union of Soviet Socialist Republics. It has all the same freedoms in it that we take for granted, but they don't really have those freedoms. Mm. And, and what, the difference is 
um, is really the motto of the American Bar Association, which is freedom, justice, liberty. Without lawyers, they're just words. Wow. Okay. And what we have to do is ensure that freedom and justice and peace that we have talked about are not just words, but they are active words. They are things that we make happen, not things that just sit there. Well, Beth, I, I believe that you have fulfilled that, that um, pledge as part of the bar. Given your stories today, um, all those themes have come out in your stories. And, and what, a, um, what a, a great reflection for all of us to hear that today, that you all are indeed, you're not just talking it, but you're walking it and you're living into that. And I, I thank you, Beth. You, um, you are indeed a, a light in this community and a beacon of hope for so many. And you have been and continue to be. And I'm just grateful that you were willing to spend some time with us today um, to share your reflections, to speak stories from your heart um, of how these themes are being carried out and lived out by people such as yourselves and the good colleagues that, that you were um, surrounded by in the court system here in North Carolina. Um, friends, I thank you listeners for taking part today again, for tuning in. We hope that you'll you'll continue to share um, this podcast with others to um, let them know um, of our efforts here in downtown Fayetteville. Um, Stories from the Center is um, is certainly thankful for the, the good work of, of many folks throughout our communities and, and all you listeners out there that also have a a desire to um, to practice these ideals of, of justice, freedom, and peace. And we want to say a special thank you to Beth Kieber today and for her good work, the continued work that she engages in. A thank you to, um, um, to the North Carolina Conference of the United Methodist Church for their support of us with a, with a grant to help us produce this on podcast. And most importantly to you, our listeners, as you engage in this time together. Um, we look forward to sharing more podcasts in the future. Be sure to subscribe and again, share that um, that link with others that they can come to hear um, all the good things we're trying to do from Stories from the Center. Friends, take care. Be well. Thanks again for joining us today.